Wow. Look at somebody next to you and say, you look awesome today. My wife and I are so blessed to be here with you. Man, uh, we uh, came on the team that planted this church, and uh, we were so blessed to be a part of what God has done here. We were here for eight years. I got to be the youth pastor, and we did outreaches and worship, and you wear all sorts of hats, janitor, the whole works. And uh, let me tell you something. You don't even know the treasures you have as your pastors. You may love them, but let me tell you, they are trench diggers. They are ones that believe in broken people, and they are ones that breathe destiny into the leadership around them. So I just want to do this because you have amazing pastors. Would you stand up and just applaud them and tell them how much you love them right now? Incredible. They are, they are mom and dad to us, and they have blessed us so much. And I got to tell you, too, you know, I, um, I get to preach, but I'm only up here because my wife is incredible and keeps my life in order. And uh, anyone that knows me is like, yes, he's not lying. Uh, <laughs> I would probably be up here without a shirt and my no, no notes and like, don't know what happened, you know. Everyone in our church can tell when my wife's out of town because my clothes are all wrinkled and I'm all a mess and I'm like all frazzled. But my wife is incredible and we have gotten the privilege to plant a church, but they, a lot of people look at a pastor and be like, cool, yeah, pastor. But the wives are what really matter, I gotta tell you. They're the ones they take hits differently. They, they operate differently. And I just wanna honor my wife in this place. Would you just honor... We call her Pastor Kay. Would you just honor Pastor Kay? Incredible woman of God. Nine years ago, man, nine years ago, we were sent out of here and it was so awesome. We were actually sent out. You had your uh, party in the park for your eight year anniversary and the next day we moved and it was an incredible start of what I call the beautiful nightmare. It's amazing and scary all at the same time. Uh, but I got to see a lot of stuff here. Uh, I remember when we were in the Harding Center and we had just a couple of rows and man, it, it, no air conditioning in there. We didn't know, but it didn't have air conditioning and it was stuffy and weird. And man, we, we praised Jesus with all of our heart. We had borrowed sound equipment. Someone donated it to us and it did not work well. It was not like this. Worship was not like this. <laughs> and uh, Man, uh, then I remember, and, and you know the weirdest place we ever met? We actually met in a Seventh-day Adventist church for a little bit. Remember that? That was weird. That was kind of weird there. But uh, not that Seventh-day Adventist is weird, but it was weird because it was very formal, and uh, we had a great time in there. And then we moved to Indiana Street, and Indiana Street, man, that was even weirder with the bathrooms in the middle of the sanctuary. So uh, you had to, like, watch J.O. like this. Like, please shut the bathroom door. <laughs> then we moved over to Emma, and that was a great spot there, man. We were there for years, and uh, I had the coolest office there. Mine was like a loft. Remember that? I had that whole big old office on the back of the sanctuary. They isolated me as far away from them as possible, and they're like, you get to take the office in the furthest point of the building. But, uh, man, 
seeing a church from the starting point to where it is today is an incredible experience. And uh, those of you that have joined and not got to see the beginning part, I just want to let you know, you're part of a miracle, a miracle that happened because two people lived on mission. And now I'm in Arizona, and Arizona, let me tell you, when you get sent on mission, it's not always how you think it should look. Uh, Arizona had 54 days over 110 this last year, okay, 110, and uh, 17 of those were over 115. Uh, you may be like, oh, that's pretty hot. Go ahead, go home, turn on your oven, turn it to warm, and stick your head in, and that's how we felt all summer. And so uh, we survived, hallelujah. Uh, they told me the asphalt was 160 degrees at times. So it was very hot. Uh, we also uh, have a very multicultural church. A lot of our church is Hispanic. So uh, they refer to me as their white pastor. And uh, so when we go to eat Hispanic food, uh, you know, they like things hot. Muy caliente. It's like very hot. Uh, so I have to, they, they'll ask me, Pastor, do you want it hot or do you want it white people hot? And I'm like, white people hot, please, because <laughs> I can't take it. And uh, man, we, we went down there and you look at me and, and uh, in case you didn't know, I'm very white. Uh, I look very white. It's not the lighting up here. My skin is actually this pale, okay? And, and uh, yes, it is. Okay. Uh, I have to stay out of the sun. I don't, I don't get to tan. I had skin cancer, so I stay out of the sun. But what I love is that people will say to me, how do you have a multicultural church? How do you touch different people that aren't like you? And I want you to know something today. You don't need to be like somebody else because the Holy Spirit crosses every border, every boundary, every ethnicity, every culture. Listen, you might be afraid to touch someone in another nation. You might be afraid to touch that person that's not like you. Stop thinking that way, because what they need is not you. They need the Holy Spirit in you. And if you walk with the Holy Spirit, fill with the Holy Spirit, you can be an impact, an impact. Now, I want you just to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. And uh, while we're there, I want you to know, um, when I moved to Arizona, I remember driving around. It's, it's rather deserty there. We don't have any trees. and We have cactus, if you like cactus. They're not very cozy, and you can't really hug them much, and there's not a lot of shade. Um, I say, if it doesn't want to prick you, stick you, or kill you, it doesn't belong in Arizona. And, uh, man, I remember driving one day and just thinking, God, why did you send me here? Like, this is crazy. And, uh, you know, kind of having one of those moments, right? I'm like, it is 115 out. I can't even go outside because I'll get skin cancer again. God, what are you doing to me? And I remember God clearly spoke to me and said, I didn't send you here because it's beautiful. I sent you here to make it beautiful. And see, living on mission is not going to the place you can Instagram. It's not going to the greatest looking place. It's going where he sends you, saying yes and amen, and letting the Holy Spirit lead you, and you make it beautiful. Jesus in you makes it beautiful. Now, Acts chapter 2 says this, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, say suddenly, suddenly. there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, 
and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone, say everyone, present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. See, Holy Spirit, he knows every language. He knows every language. Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Say suddenly with me. See, when you're living on mission, there are suddenly moments in our life. God speaks suddenly moments over your life. When a prophetic word is spoken over you, it's a suddenly moment that God sees in your future. Problem is, is we get suddenly mixed up with quickly. And we get really backwards because we think it should happen quickly. But God said, I never said quickly, I said suddenly. And suddenly requires me to be ready. Requires me to be positioned. Requires me to say, okay, God, when you're ready, I'm ready. Suddenly is not the same as quickly. So there are two words for time in the Greek language, two main words. One called chronos. Chronos is like calendar time. Okay? It's like the time on your watch. It's linear. And then there is a time called kairos. Kairos is a divine appointment time, a a time and place that God has marked for a specific supernatural intervention, a Kairos thing. And I have to tell you, suddenly moments are not about the Kronos, they are about the Kairos in our life and being ready for the Kairos moments. When I was 18 years old, I got on a bus November the 13th on a Friday night. That's right, Friday the 13th. I got on a bus. I had been doing drugs, selling drugs, stealing from a bank, all sorts of craziness. I get on a bus one night, and a bus driver looks at me and says, you, and I had grown up in church. He says, you've been running from God. And you think you've gone too far for God to forgive you, but he wants you to know something. He loves you, and he wants you to come home. You've been stealing and selling drugs, and if you don't get your life right, your time is short. And let me tell you something, on that night, I had a suddenly moment. I had a Kairos moment. I didn't even know that was gonna happen. I was getting on that bus to go fraud another ATM, and in the middle of my sin, God intervened with a Kairos suddenly moment. I want you to know something, part of being on mission I am so glad that that bus driver was living in his kairos, that he was believing for a suddenly moment. And when he saw a young man step on his bus, he said, this is the suddenly moment for this young man to be with Jesus. Now, I want you to know something. God wants to use you for suddenly moments. He wants to use you for kairos moments, but he also has a kairos moment for you. So it's for you and through you. Say, for me and through me, suddenly moments. Too many people get weirded out because it doesn't happen quickly and they give up and they miss the opportunity to live in the Kairos moment. I believe this, I believe that there is a Kairos moment for this church this weekend. Not because I'm here, I'm a nobody, I'm just your average Joe, I'm not flashy, I'm not your like big evangelist kind of guy, I'm, I'm Joe. I'm just Joe. But in that, I'm here to tell you something. I know what God can do. 
I have seen him do it again and again with people who are willing to live in their suddenly moment. When they prepare themselves, when they say yes to Jesus and they let him use them supernaturally, you don't gotta be a pastor to do it. You don't gotta be, man, a leader in the church to do it. I don't care if you're pushing a broom or if you're driving a bus or what you're doing. God has called you to live on mission, baby. Then Acts 1, we kind of go back in time here, Acts 1, 6 through 8. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. You don't get to know the chronos. You don't get to be informed. How many of you ever said, God, can we just sync up our calendar? please, Jesus, then I could pencil you in. Then I could pencil you in and we could have the Kronos moments marked on the calendar and and I'll be ready when they come. God's design is that you are always ready, always prepared and living in a Kronos. Now, they said, hey, is this the time? Is this when you're gonna do it? And he says, you don't get to know that, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, he's realigning their thinking here because they came into this moment with ideals. They thought he was restoring a natural kingdom. And his disciples were like, yes, this is the time, man. I... They, were, they had already picked out, man, they had gone to the furniture store and picked out their thrones to sit next to him and they were ready for Jesus to sit on his throne and they were like, yeah, we're on your right and your left. This is gonna be amazing. We're gonna rule and reign with you, Jesus. And, and they had an idea in their head that they were stuck on. They weren't moving from. And Jesus said, forget all that. You don't get to know about that. We're not even gonna talk about that. What you need to worry about is being filled with the Holy Spirit and living on mission, being a witness to those around you. Listen, if you wanna be on mission, you gotta let go of your ideals. That's right. Your ideal may be the school you're gonna go to. It may be the career path that you're gonna choose. It may be something in your life that God is putting his thumb on and saying, man, you are too stuck on your idea of what I want to do in your life. You have too much of a plan to make room for God's plan. And God is just saying, hey, this morning, will you let go of your ideas so that the king of kings can rule and reign and do something in your life that you didn't even think possible? Look at what that bus driver did in my life. I planted a church in Arizona because a bus driver lived on mission that night. You have no idea who you're gonna preach the gospel to. You have no idea who you're gonna share with. The idealism of today will kill the divine destiny of tomorrow. Just put that in your heart. Now, let's talk about how to be prepared for suddenly. And while we do that, I wanna read out of Luke 24, 49. So though we're going back in the scriptures, it's actually, this is timeline, chronos-wise, right at the same moment. And Jesus says this, Behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you, But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So Jesus tells him, go back to Jerusalem. Go back to Jerusalem. 
That sounds cool. But you have to remember, about 42 days earlier, Jesus had been crucified in Jerusalem. He had just been killed. And he was buried in a tomb, and now his body is missing. And the religious people of that time think his disciples took it. The disciples were wanted men. They were not like, hey, this is cool. Let's go hang out in Jerusalem, man. We'll go to the Jerusalem pub. Man, we'll just hang out until Jesus comes back, and this will be amazing. No, that was a deadly place for them to go. It was not ideal. It was not safe. And then he says, stay there. I want you to know something. If you're going to live on mission, Jesus may give you an assignment that feels unsafe. That is something that totally, it, it, it's gonna break your pattern in your life. It's gonna send you back maybe to places that were painful, that hurt you. And man, maybe you were abused as a child and you gotta go back and get healing for that so that you can live on mission and, uh, and help other people get healed in that situation. So he says, stay there until you receive power. So let's talk about this steps to prepare for us suddenly. Can I have that jar right there? Awesome. So how many of you have ever uh, dealt with fleas? Not on your personal self, hopefully, but uh, on your pets or anything like that? Fleas are incredible insects. They can jump like crazy. Some people think they can fly because they can jump. They can jump 40 to 50 times their body height. So let me put that in perspective. That would be like me leaping over a 500-foot building. Just boom. So fleas have the incredible ability to jump. But if you take a flea and you put it in a jar and you put the lid on it, what that flea will do, it will jump and hit that lid a couple of times and then it will begin to adapt where it will come right up to the lid, but it won't hit the lid and it'll go back down and it'll learn to only jump that high. And what happens is eventually you can take the lid off of the jar and the flea will not jump out of the jar because it's still convinced the lid is there. I want you to know in order to live on mission, you gotta deal with the lids in your life. You gotta deal with the things that have been limitations and mindsets and things that have held you back for years. You say to yourself, I can't preach like that. I can't talk like that. I got no time. I got this, I got that. Those are limitations put on yourself by you. Holy Spirit's not whispering in your ear, you don't have time for that. So you gotta deal with the limitations. Whether it's a sin habit, Maybe it's church hurt that's just set inside of you. And man, you sit every Sunday and you think, well, I was church hurt, so I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything more. And last time I stepped out, it didn't work out for me. I want you to know something. That is a lid of limitation in your life. God has supernatural, Cairo suddenly moments he wants to line you up with. And I don't know about you, I don't intend to go to heaven and stand before the throne and Jesus say, well, I gotta talk to you about a few things. I want it to look like, well done, good and faithful servant. All right, cool, right through the gates. I don't want a long conversation with Jesus. I want to know that I did everything in my power to live on mission every day of my life. The limitations and the lids we allow in our lives, we get comfortable with them. We adapt to them. We begin to say, man, this is where it is and this is how far I can go. 
But I believe today God wants to break the lid off your life. Now, sometimes those lids are pretty hard. They're like ruts of thinking in us. We get so stuck with that lid. It's like a pickle jar that's too tight. And you're like, I can't get the lid off. In my house, when that happens, my wife brings the pickle jar to me because, you know, I'm... You know, I'm superhuman, so... At least in her eyes. So she brings the jar to me. Honey, can you get this lid off for me? And like a good husband. No problem. You have a father in heaven who has the strength that you need, whose grace is sufficient, whose power is made perfect in your weakness. No lid can stand in his way. No limitation can stand in his way. In fact, this is the great thing about Jesus. The lid in your life, the thing you see is a limitation. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, each time he said to me, Paul, praying for a lid to be gone. Each time he said to me, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Stop seeing the limitation and see God's opportunity to display his power in you. I'm telling you right now, the limitation in your mind may even be this. I, I don't even know if I relate to that kind of person. Can I remind you, I'm opaque white and I have a multicultural church. You don't have to relate to them. You need to take the lid off today and decide you are gonna cross the boundaries that you have always had on your life and the lids that have always set there. Listen, whether it's in ministry, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your job, you do not need to live with the limitation anymore. Look at your neighbor and say, no more lids for me. Listen, retirement could be your lid. Come on, somebody, I'm retired. I've done enough. Let the young people do it. Your pride can be your lid. Oh, I got this covered. You can find out real quick. Trust me from someone who has been there. We got this, Jesus. Woo, yeah. Oh, not my strength, his strength. Hmm. Now, as we are talking about living on mission, many times people will say, well, God, what am I supposed to do? God, how am I supposed to do that? We ask God a lot of questions, and we wait for his answers. And then when we get his answers, we go on our way. We ask God, God, answer this, tell me this, do this, I need this. God is so much bigger and so much more into relationship than that. I'm going to read you a scripture here. I, I love this scripture. Proverbs 25, 2, it is God's privilege to conceal things 
and the king's privilege to discover them. I don't know about you, but the concealed part kind of frustrates me sometimes. Do you really have to conceal it, God? Do you really have to hide it from me, God? Why? It's God's privilege to conceal it. Now, I want to show you something, because many times when we're praying for something with God or searching something out with God or, God, what, how do you want to use me? We imagine God to do this. Hey, there it is over there. Go find it. Like God's in the corner like, let's play hide and seek. Let's see if he sees it. And we imagine that the thing that we want is over there and we got to go find it. But see, God loves you too much to do it that way. Because the way he approaches you, he says, come and find it. He conceals it right next to himself because his goal is for you to know him. His goal is for you to discover his love. His goal is for you to get closer to him. So he doesn't conceal it way over there so you go on a journey away from him. He says, the closer you get to me, the more time we spend together, the more you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then he's gonna reveal more and more things to you, more of his love, more of his compassion, more of his grace, more of his mercy. See, the world does not need another encounter with a program. And, and programs are great. They facilitate something. They don't even need another encounter with a church, although church facilitates something. It's the body of Christ. And don't get me wrong, 100%, the church is God's plan. But they don't need a, an organization encounter. What the church needs and what they are owed by us and as we live on mission, what they are owed by us is an encounter with Jesus. They deserve an encounter with the power of God. They don't need to see you display Jesus on a chalkboard. They need you to display Jesus with your life. They need you to be a walking testament of the goodness of God. So when they encounter you, they've encountered Jesus, and they say, wow. And that only comes as we spend time with him, discovering who I am discovering what he has for me. Whoo! You want to live on mission? Get really, really close to Jesus. Say, on mission, baby. Now, my wife and I, we love to do a lot of stuff together. We work together. We do life together. We love to travel together. Whatever it is, we love to be together. We're together a lot. There is one thing we do not do well together. And that's cooking, okay? Cooking is a bad thing for us to hang out and do together. Uh, she has a way she does stuff. But one day we decided, man, we're going to make some cookies. And she lays out all the ingredients for the cookies. She turns her back for a minute. And I think I'm being helpful. I grab all those ingredients and I dump them in the bowl. She turns around and she goes, what did you do? I said, well, I'm making cookies. No, you're ruining the cookies. You can't do that. Apparently, I didn't know, but you mix all the dry stuff together, then all the wet stuff together, then you mix it all together. See, I saw the ingredients, but I didn't understand the process. 
And what God wants to do in your life to put you on mission is not just give you ingredients, A, B, C, and D, but he wants to take you through the process through the Holy Spirit of knowing how to love people, of knowing how to live on mission. Listen, and that's gonna happen with time with Jesus. I say it all the time in our church, time with Jesus. Say it with me, time with Jesus. Not just being glory hogs, but letting him reveal to you, show himself to you. So living on mission is about living in intimacy with the Father. Living in close relationship with the Father. I want to do this. Come on up, Pat. I want to just go back to one point here. I want to show you something. Say stretch. Luke 5, 37 through 39. And no one puts new wineskin into old wineskin, new wine into old wineskin. For the new wine would burst in the wineskin, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskin. But no one drinks the old wine, who drinks the old wine, seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. Maybe you think life is just fine. Maybe you are already door greeting. Maybe you are already active and you're like, I'm just fine. Maybe you're giving and the giving's awesome. You need to give, absolutely. But you think that's just fine. But God has more for you. And listen, heart of the city church, you need to hear this today. I'm here is one who has witnessed the beginning of this house. And I'm telling you, this house was birthed to go from glory to glory to glory to glory. You have only just begun. You have a campus now in Post Falls, but there is more to come. There are greater things to come. And it's gonna take you getting rid of the old wineskin. And here's what happens with old wineskin. They won't stretch anymore. You can't stretch them anymore. And I wanna show you something. Go ahead and blow up that big balloon for me. Pat's gonna pass out up here. But God has incredible things for you, big things he wants to breathe into your life, big things he wants to do in this church. But it takes big capacity in you to walk in those big things. Keep going, you're good, you're good, yeah. Now this balloon can get pretty big. So before Pat passes out, we'll go ahead and just let him stop there. Thank you so much. Go ahead and tie that one off. Many of us want the big things of God. How many of you want God to do big things in Heart of the City Church? Come on, like really, how many of you want big things in Heart of the City Church? See, some of you are clapping. The other half are like, I'm not gonna clap because this is a trick question. I know it. But see, our old capacity can't hold what God has for us. Go ahead. Our old capacity can't hold what God has for us. See, if you try to pray for the big things of God, but you wanna live in the old things of you, you will find yourself in a big old mess because what God has for you, that's right, will bust you wide open if you try to hold on to the old you. What God has for you will cause your life to get wrecked. Stop, if you're not willing to change, stop praying for big things. But if you want big things, you need to allow God to change you from the inside out. Wreck your routine. 
Wreck the manageability of your life. Wreck your time. Come on, wreck your sleep with some prayer right now in Jesus' name. The old you cannot hold the big thing God has. So either you gotta stop praying for it or you gotta start throwing out the old wineskin. Now, we're gonna come to the last point here. Hopefully nobody had a pacemaker. We believe in resurrection power if that's the case, okay. We're gonna turn to 2 Kings right now. 2 Kings right now, come on up, worship team. 2 Kings. Elisha's talking to one of the kings of Israel. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. And then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, uh, Syria, for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck it three times and stopped And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria Syria only three times. See, when you read that verse, you immediately think, man, Elisha's kind of mean to this guy. He was doing everything he asked him to do. What's the problem here? But right before the striking of the ground, he had just had a prophetic moment And it was powerful. So Elisha wasn't mad at him because he only struck three times. He was mad at him because he did not realize the Kairos moment he was in, that there was a suddenly coming his way, and he didn't prepare himself. And he said, "Eh, okay, we're doing this again. I want to just wake you up today. God is calling you to strike the ground. Not once, not twice, not three times, but to strike it till you see breakthrough. Listen, whatever lid has been on your life, strike it till you see breakthrough. Whatever limitation you've been walking around with, strike it till you see breakthrough. Now, I want to share one more story here. We had a, a missionary in in August, on our on mission. We're going to Tanzania in December. And uh, she came in, she runs a ministry there called Treasures of Africa. And she told this great story. I want you to hear this. She's telling the story about in the Maasai tribes, this tribe had run out of water and they had, their well had dried up. And so she decided to have people go and redig this well. Well, the people told her right away, they said, there's no water here. This is a waste of your money. Don't even worry about it. She says, go ahead and dig. And she began to pray and God gave her a number, 130 meters. So she began, they begin to dig and they get down like 100 meters and they call her and they say, hey, there is no water here. You are wasting your money. Stop. This is a waste of money. She says, no, 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 no. God told me a number. Keep, keep, keep digging. They get to like 125 meters and they call her. There is, no, there is not even a sign of water. Just give up. And she prays and she says, no, God said 130 meters. And they dig down, and she's praying, and she gets a call. Water, water. At 130 meters, they hit water. I want you to know something today. 
You may have tried to live on mission and you may have felt like, man, I'm drilling for no reason. I'm, I'm digging in soil that has no water, but I want you to know something. Another five meters can make all the difference in your life. Another five meters over your family. Another five meters in faith. Another five meters can change everything because they hit a river underground. Not just water, a river. That's a big deal. On mission, baby. God has a mission for you. But it's going to require every lid, every old wineskin, every limitation. It's going to require intimacy with Jesus. It's going to require you to get out of your comfort zone. 